We've all been waiting for it and it's finally here. One of the biggest cards of 2021. UFC 264, headlined of course by Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier's rubber match, but the lower card has its fair share of banger fights and newcomers. And that's what we're here today to have a look at, so let's dive straight in. I'm Max from MMA on Point, and the UFC 264 hype train is rolling, so come jump on board with Bet Online, the official partner of MMA on Point. Are you cleverer than me at picking fights? Come play along with us this weekend at our live fight companion featuring Paddy the Batty Pimblet and actor extraordinaire Blake Harrison. Use the code ONPOINT for a 50% sign-up bonus good for up to a thousand bucks. More on that later, but for now, this is the Unfamiliars for UFC 264. Up first, we have Alan Amadovsky versus Yao Zonghu. Amadovsky is a Macedonian fighting out of Italy. He started boxing as a teenager after being bullied and ended up fighting in MMA on the Italian regional scene. Before joining the UFC, he had eight wins with eight knockouts. The Macedonian even showed up in Bellator for two fights, including this 12-second KO. Amadovsky has a completely wild style, bouncing and fainting before winging 100% power punches with his chin miles in the air. He's an utter madman. He has massive power in his hands, and I have found zero evidence that he has ever thrown a kick in his career. His first fight in the UFC was a pretty tall order against the 10-fight UFC veteran Christoph Yotko. He was dominated on the judges' scorecards with two 30-26s and even a 30-25. Yotko managed to take him down and control him on the floor because Amadovsky has a 0% takedown defense in the UFC so far. He showed a huge chin but just didn't seem to know what to do on the floor. Not a big surprise seeing as he's listed his favorite submission as Kurt Angle's ankle lock, which is hilarious. In his second fight in the octagon, he returned against John Phillips, a man who he knew would fight him toe-to-toe -to -toe like he wanted. But unfortunately, he instantly got outgunned for a 16-second knockout. Now Amadovsky's back and he's looking to finally get that first win in the UFC after two years out of the cage. His opponent, Yao Zonhu's nickname is Totoro, which is adorable. A Greco-Roman wrestler since a young age, Yao Zonhu's is a big, powerful athletic force. He spent his early career in the Chinese scene beating people up before being brought into the UFC on four days notice to fight Cyril Asker after only three professional fights against opponents with a combined record of one and seven. Pretty fair to say he got called up too quick. Since then he's been fighting out of Team Tiger Muay Thai to try and sharpen that striking. He's looking a lot leaner and meaner as he tries to cut down to middleweight, which is probably why he popped for an estrogen blocker. USADA caught him and now he's making his return after serving a suspension. This definitely seems like a fight to keep your job and it's a little bit of a toss up on the odds. I'll take Yao Zhonghu by decision if only because he's got a strong chin. Amadovsky is basically just a powerhouse and if who can get that grappling working he should be able to get the decision. Next up at men's flyweight we have Zalgas Zhumagulov against Jerome Rivera. Zalgas Zhumagulov, also known as Xhaka, is our first ever scary Kazakh boy. A former fight night global champ over in Russia, Xhaka holds wins over UFC veterans Tyson Nam and Ali Bagautinov twice. Bagautinov you might remember for fighting DJ for the belt. He has the cold, dead eyes of a killer. Along with that, he has lovely reactive takedowns in a Frankie Edgar style. But he's not just a grappler. 
He's a switch hitter comfortable on the feet in either stance, has very good head movement and leg kicks. He's definitely well-rounded on the feet, but I just love his takedown game. His UFC career hasn't gotten off to the greatest start though with two dropped decisions, although his first fight against Rowley and Piver, most people agree he won that one. Jalgas outstruck Piver in every round and managed a couple of takedowns. So he is looking to get his UFC career off the ground. Taking them on is Jerome Rivera, an amateur kickboxing champ, a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with a wrestling background from his school years. Rivera is a legitimate all-round mixed martial artist. He's only 26 years old, but he's already a veteran of the regional scene in the States with places like King of the Cage and LFA. He's floated between Bantam and Flyweight and even recently up as high as Featherweight. He came into the UFC off of a strong contender series decision win, but since then has lost three in a row. Interestingly, he did lose to Tyson Nam, who Zumagulov has beaten in the past. Rivera is a pretty huge dude at flyweight. He's gonna have six inches of height and six and a half inches of reach on his opponent. And that's definitely reflected in the way he fights compared to Zumagulov. Rivera is rangier, slower, and wilder on the feet, throwing spinning back kicks and long teeps but he's definitely more of a submission threat than Zumagulov. He has a big future in the UFC as a young prospect if he can get off to a winning run. Zumagulov is a huge favorite here. He's definitely more well-rounded and more experienced against high-level competition. Rivera's weight bouncing has me a bit worried. I'm gonna take Zalgas by knockout. Next up, up to middleweight for Omari Akhmedov versus Brad Tavares. Omari Akhmedov is a good old-fashioned Dagestani wrestler. He holds a master of sports rank in hand-to-hand -hand combat and pancration, and has been freestyle wrestling since he came out the womb and double-legged a doctor. He basically ran through Russia's regional scene before his UFC debut in 2013 at welterweight, but moved up to middleweight after a few losses and has gone 4-1-1 one, one against tough competition, including Chris Weidman and Marvin Vittori. After becoming a bit of a decisionator, he most recently strangled Tom Breeze. You better goddamn believe he's going for a takedown, averaging almost three takedowns landed per fight in the UFC. He's more than proficient standing up as he took Vittori to a draw without it ever hitting the ground and has performance of the night knockouts in his past, but he's definitely a smothering grappler first. Akhmedov has taken on Brad Tavares, who you probably know, a staple of the UFC since making it to the semi-final of Tough 11 way back in 2010. Tavares has been fighting top competition at middleweight for over a decade, including Lorenz Larkin, Yol Romero, Rob Whitaker, and probably most notably, Israel Adesanya in his first headliner. Fighting since 2007 because in his words, fighting is fun. Tavares has been training at Extreme Couture for the majority of that time, but has been fairly inactive in recent years, only fighting twice since the Adesanya loss back in 2018. His last time out, he beat Shoeface by decision at the last Poirier McGregor card. An all-rounder, he's shown the ability to wrestle when he feels he needs it and counter-wrestle with a 79% takedown defense rate, but he's definitely more of a stand and brawl kind of bloke. Tavares is the slight favorite here. The striking stats are basically identical, but Akhmedov's wrestling is where the biggest difference stands out to me. The last time Tavares went up against a half-decent wrestler, it was Yol Romero, who ragdolled him for three rounds. So by that logic, I'm taking the underdog Akhmedov by decision. Next up, down on women's flyweight, we have Jennifer Meyer versus Jessica I. From a title shot straight down to the early prelims. Ouch, kind of makes it obvious how the UFC feels about women's flyweight. 
Jennifer Meyer we know for her Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu double attack as a shootbox student and black belt in both disciplines. Former Invicta champion and currently sitting at number four in the division in the UFC, she's gone three and three in the UFC, which is a pretty unflattering record considering she put in some decent work and even won a round against the demon queen of flyweight, Valentina Shevchenko. She's looking to bounce straight back up into a contender fight again after this one. Her striking's always been powerful, but never technically very fluid. She's definitely gotten more technical over time, but mostly just a strong, aggressive puncher. And of course, we saw her submission threat in a recent fight against Jojo Calderwood, where she landed that armbar. Her opponent, Jessica I, is a standout in the UFC. Having switched from strong style fight team with Stipe Miocic to extreme couture, Jessica I was hoping to have a renaissance in her career as a flyweight. So Sadly, it hasn't really worked out. I is known for being a pretty smooth fundamental boxer, but lately has been dragged into brawls and clinch striking battles, which has resulted in her going on a losing streak. Big and strong for the division, a big pressure fighter. She's fought a who's who at bantamweight and flyweight in the UFC since 2013. She took on Valentina Shevchenko and famously got murdered with a head kick in 2019. Currently riding a two fight losing streak against Cynthia Calvillo and Jojo Calderwood, both by decision, but remains ranked at number seven in the division. Interestingly with this one, both ladies have missed weight badly four times out of their combined last seven fights. Maya sits as a slight favorite here, which makes sense to me. She seems to be evolving technically better than I does. I almost seems to be devolving. We know that Maya's getting more technical as a striker and she has that submission threat on the ground. So I'm gonna take Jennifer Maya by decision. Next up, we have Drickus Duplessis versus Trevin Giles. I am so fucking excited for this one. These two are future champions in my opinion, and this is my sleeper fight of the night. Duplessis is like the Terminator of MMA. 33-0 as an amateur kickboxer with 30 knockouts. So you're thinking, he's a striker, right? Yeah, but nine of his 15 MMA wins have come via submission. So no, he's in everything. 15 wins in MMA, 15 finishes. He wiped out pretty much everyone in EFC Africa before heading to Poland to KSW and knocking out the best European regional fighter, Roberto Soldic, in his debut, shocking everyone. Yes, he lost the rematch, but then finished two more fights in Poland before debuting in the UFC with a massive left hook knockout of Marcus Perez. This dude is must-watch MMA. On top of that, he's built like a South African brick shithouse. He has boy band hair and lists his inspirations as Ragnar Lothbrok and Achilles. That's fucking metal. His opponent, Trevin Giles, is no slouch though. Three decisions in his 16 pro fights. Giles started training MMA at age 20 to stay fit for college football, but he decided he was better at violence. He became a regional scene veteran in LFA, Legacy, and RFA, where he beat future UFC contenders, Brendan Allen and Ryan Spann, among others, with submissions and KOs galore. Winning his first two UFC call-ups with big knockouts, he struggled against the next echelon in the division with two submission losses before starting his current three-fight win streak. Giles is an incredible athlete and leans on that athleticism a lot. He has big power and speed, has shown the ability to land some huge takedowns, just a fun guy to watch. These two are incredible talents and future stars and the odds are completely even. I'm taking Duplessis by submission, if only because Giles has shown some weakness in that area recently. But honestly, it's just gonna be a good fight. Next up at featherweight, we have Ryan Hall versus Ilya Tapuria. 
the prodigal son of jiu-jitsu is back. After two years of injuries and opponents turning him down, Ryan Hall is coming back to the cage. Everybody's favorite lovely sloth boy and jiu-jitsu instructional video salesman is still undefeated in the UFC since winning tough, turning BJ Penn's knee into shredded beef, and spinning back kicking Darren Elkins around for 15 minutes. And he's still on the prelims. What does this dude have to do to get on the main card? Anyway, a mesh between world championship level jiu-jitsu, Faraz Zahabi's tri-star training, and Wonderboy's dad teaching him karate makes for a very dangerous, hairy man. We'll have to see how the injuries and layoff treated him. He said in interviews that he wants to prove that ring rust doesn't exist, a la Dominic Cruz, but he's only had four fights in the last six years. Ryan Hall's style is so unique that it's always hard to analyze how he will fare in there. His specialties in jiu-jitsu are his triangle and front chokes, but we haven't even seen him try those in his MMA career so far. Ilya Tapuria, meanwhile, has been slowly building himself into a future champion. Undefeated at 10-0, the Georgian shopped around on the European scene with Brave CF and Cage Warriors before debuting in the UFC last year and going 2-0 so far. Wrestling and grappling since he was young, he became the first Georgian fighter to receive a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and that's obvious watching him that this is his strength. His first seven fights all ended by way of choke. RNC, Triangle, Guillotine, Anaconda. He's also incredibly fast and diverse on the feet with good feints and powerful body punches. He's good on the counter or as a pressure fighter. At only 24 and in incredible shape, he definitely has the athletic advantage over his 36-year-old opponent and has more fights in his six-year career than Ryan Hall has managed in 15 years. Smart Money is definitely on Tapuria as the favorite because of his athleticism and diversity, but I'm not smart, and as we know, I love jiu-jitsu. I think Ryan is so intangible that he's dangerous to anyone in the division. I hope we get a jiu-jitsu battle, and I'm taking Ryan Hall by submission. <laughs> Next up, we have Nico Price versus Michelle Pajeda. If the UFC typed into a matchmaking computer, batshit crazy fight, this would probably print out the other end. Nico Price is a wild man, most widely known for murdering Randy Brown with hammer fists from bottom position and up kicking James Vick out of the UFC. Oh, and he has four performance of the night knockout. He has one of the highest strikes landed permanent rates in the UFC, 10 knockouts on his resume, and unbelievably, a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Wouldn't have guessed it. Most recently, he drew with Cowboy Cerrone after being deducted points due to eye pokes, but the draw was overturned to a no contest because he loves the wacky tabacky. He's incredibly unorthodox in the striking department and is pretty unpredictable everywhere, including his record, which is spotty as hell. 6, 4, 0, and 2 in the UFC. Price is an incredible athlete with good technical skills that usually go straight out the window a few minutes into the fight as he gets hurt all the time and comes back with wild knockouts. Always a fun guy to watch. Nico's dancing partner is maybe the only guy in the UFC who's less predictable. Yes, you know Michelle Pajeda as the danciest, flippiest lunatic in the sport. Making his name on the Brazilian and Asian scenes, Pajeda's ludicrous athleticism and power got him to a 21 and nine record with dancing, backflips, spinning shit, cage shit, spinning cage shit. I don't even know what that is. It's hard to describe, but it's basically just madness. Debuting in the UFC with a performance of the night flying knee knockout, everyone was excited before two extremely disappointing performances against massive underdogs in Tristan Connolly and Diego Sanchez. 
He's gone back to the drawing board to bounce back with two more wins. When Pereira fights like a normal human being, he pretty much always wins. When he fights like a maniac, he has a tendency to waste all of his energy backflipping, get taken down and controlled. Hopefully though, he'll be fighting like a maniac because this is the most batshit fight ever. Pereira is a small favorite here, possibly because of Nico's record, but this one is really difficult to call. I think Price has more tools, but who knows if he'll use them. I'll take Price as underdog by knockout. Finally, on the prelims at welterweight, we have Carlos Condit versus Max Griffin. An older legend returns. Carlos Condit is one of the faces most associated with the WEC, where he went on an absolute tear of five finishes to become the welterweight champion before Zufa absorbed the promotion like the big amorphous blob it is. His early UFC run was notable for huge knockouts of Rory Mack, Dan Hardy, and Dong Hyun Kim before his interim title shot against Nick Diaz, which is the stuff of legends. After nearly finishing GSP with a head kick and a losing effort for the belt, Carlos's career took a turn for the worst, culminating in a five-fight losing streak that we all thought was the end for him. But he's not fucking leaving. Two wins in a row have had the Jackson Wink student show glimpses of the old natural-born killer we all loved. Is this beginning of a new turn for the 37-year-old? After trying out for Tough way back in 2012 in a losing effort, Max Griffin was a staple of the West Coast regional scene, winning the WCFC and Tachi Palace belts. A kickboxer with a black belt in Bok Fu, which apparently is a type of Kung Fu and not a nutritious green vegetable. Griffin is a powerful blitzing striker with a good jab, nasty ground and pound, and damaging clinch strikes. And he even has a few submissions on his resume, but he's definitely looking for the KO with the hands at all times as his main plan. Carlos being the underdog shouldn't be surprising because of his recent record and the power threat of Griffin. I'd say Condit definitely has more tools and I'd like to see him use them, but I think the pressure and power will be too much, so I'm taking Griffin by knockout. Okay, the prelims are over and done with. We'll quickly talk about the main card, but just to remind you, this is the unfamiliars. The focus is on those younger up and coming fighters. So I'll briefly talk about the main card fights and give my picks and then we'll move on. First up on the main card, Sean O'Malley versus Chris Moutinho. After Louis Smoker dropped out with a staph infection, gross. Instead of giving the fight to any of the hundreds of thousands of millions of people who called out Sean O'Malley, the UFC signed unknown Chris Moutinho for the short notice bout. With every fight coming on the New England regional scene, Moutinho, who was working in a paint factory until he got the UFC call up, is 9-4 in MMA and has lost by stoppage in each of his four losses. From watching his fights, he's definitely a tough guy, willing to take a lot of punishment and has decent striking fundamentals. He's been knocked out fairly recently by much worse strikers than Sean O'Malley, and at minus 1,000, you'd imagine the colorful striker is gonna have something for his highlight reel this weekend. O'Malley by knockout. Next up, a women's bantamweight Irene Aldana versus Yana Kunitskaya. In a battle for who's gonna get fed to Amanda Nunes next, number four and number five are gonna duke it out. These two Invicta FC alums will almost certainly have a kickboxing match, with neither girl really packing the power to knock the other out, although Aldana is the harder hitter, as we saw at UFC 245. I expect a fairly even striking bout and Aldana is the favorite. I think she has the technical edge, so I'll pick Irene by decision. Next up, Tai Tuivasa versus Greg Hardy. I mean, we know what we're getting with this one. Two big heavy dudes outside the top 15 at heavyweight who have shown to struggle with grapplers and almost always win by knockout. Tuivasa is having a resurgence after his three losses to higher level competition. So this is where we see if he's got it in him to start a run in the division. 
I'll take Taito Iwasa by knockout. Next up, Durinio Gilbert Burns versus Steven Wonderboy Thompson. A phenomenal fight at welterweight. It's unfair to label Gilbert Burns a jiu-jitsu specialist anymore, even with his pedigree, as his striking has evolved to become some of the best in the division. Wonderboy is doing Wonderboy things. He's turned back the two best future contenders in the division in Luke and Neil in dominating performances. If he can do the same to Burns, I think the title shot is necessary. If he keeps Gilbert at range, and avoids the takedown Wonderboy by decision. And finally, for all the marbles, well, not actually, but for all the money, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 3. The big ones here, ladies and gentlemen, and the one that's really hard to analyze. Were the low kicks the reason Dustin won the fight? No, I don't think so. They were fantastic and debilitating, but Dustin beat Connor everywhere that night. Poirier's boxing and accuracy is on another level. We know Connor has no interest in grappling, so it's gonna play out in the same arena as the last fight. Connor's gonna need to set the tempo and be the aggressor. We know that's where he's at his best. He needs to get Dustin against the cage. Dustin is the slight favorite here, and it's hard to argue with that. I'm taking Dustin by TKO, but I do believe this one goes longer than the last fight. In any case, guys, it's gonna be a fantastic card from top to bottom. There's some bangers on it. Let me know in the comments. Tell me how much you hate my face and my picks, and I will see you later. Thanks again to our official partners, Bet Online. Make sure to come join us for our live in-studio fight companion this Saturday with Paddy Pimblett and actor Blake Harrison. Play along with us at betonline.ag and use the code ONPOINT for a 50% sign-up bonus, good for up to $1,000. Enjoy the violence, boys and girls.